Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Thursday, January 7th, 2021. I'm John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary. With me, as always, senior writer Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. Executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. And associate editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. You know, yesterday morning, uh, as we were planning yesterday's podcast, uh, I we were trying to figure out how to talk about what was going to go on later in the day and decided we probably shouldn't because there was going to be a march and then there was going to be this vote uh, in the Congress. And so who knew what what, what was going to happen? And so the idea was we probably shouldn't try to predict what was going to happen. And of course, we really shouldn't have tried to predict what was going to happen since what happened was one of the worst days in uh, modern American uh, political history as the as the mob from the from the stop the steal Trump rally marched down the mall and uh, came to the Capitol grounds and broke into the Capitol building and trashed the Capitol building and wandered around the floor and threatened uh, uh, Capitol police officers, 14 of whom were injured. One woman was shot and killed. Uh, one of the most disgraceful things that's being said in the wake of what happened here was, you know, if this mob had been, you know, uh, black, uh, people would have gotten killed. Well, somebody did get killed and 14 police officers were injured and three other people apparently died of medic in medical emergencies as a result of what happened. So four people died, 14 police officers were killed. We don't even know whether there were injuries sustained among the mob uh, because, of course, they probably ran away or left or whatever. So this was a very violent day. It was a very violent moment. It was as violent as it would have been under other circumstances. And um, so uh, here we are yesterday afternoon. Uh, I put up a post on our website saying that I believe that Nancy Pelosi should call an emergency session of the House, uh, draft and vote on articles of impeachment, impeach Trump, and that McConnell, should, Mitch McConnell should have a hearing in the Senate uh, and remove Trump from office. Uh, my idea is very simple. Trump staged a rally. At the rally, people like Rudy Giuliani said... We should have trial by combat, said we needed to fight, that people who weren't looking to prevent the uh, the acceptance of the electors were weak and cowardly, and uh, that there needed to be a fight to stop this, and that we couldn't allow what was going to happen to happen. Trump got on stage, said, let me march with you to the Capitol, and so people marched to the Capitol, and marching to the Capitol. They then stormed the Capitol grounds and invaded the Capitol building. Uh, it's not a coup because a coup involves official personnel, military people. <laughs> uh, but was it seditious and insurrectionary? Yes. Was it led, but was it incepted by the president of the United States who created this rally and created the two months before it that led to this rally? Yes. Has he done something unforgivable? Yes. Is it is it uh, unforgivable in a way that no other 
president in American history has ever uh, has ever approached such behavior? Yes. Is it impeachable? Yes. Should he be removed from office? Yes. Uh, the case for removal was made even stronger um, by what Trump did after um, this disaster, uh, among other things, was a tweet that he uh, put out uh, late yesterday um, saying, this is what happens when an election is unceremoniously and viciously uh, stolen from the people. And in the tweet, he also praised the uh, the mob and told them to go home in peace. Right. We love you. We, we love, love it. That was, yes. that was yeah. video we message. Love, we love yeah. you. Yeah. But just saying this is what happens is, is, is saying um, – Saying this was right in a sense. This was this well, was this was the logical. Well, it's keeping keeping the threat open until next week. Absolutely. Honestly, yeah. yeah. He had said this the day prior on uh, at five twelve on January fifth, the night before yesterday's events. He wrote that um, the weak and ineffective Rhino section of the Republican Party um, should be quote looking at the thousands of people pouring to D.C. They won't stand for a landslide election victory to be stolen. He was literally threatening the Senate with the mob like he's Mark Antony. Okay. I think it's important here to try to tease some of this out. So I've said at the outset that I have written that he should be impeached or removed from office. I speak as somebody who did not believe that he should have been impeached uh, for the uh, Ukraine phone call. Um, I've been a critic of his. Uh, This is something new. I note, by the way, that, uh, you know, all kinds of people that I would never have expected to be in pretty much in agreement with me are in agreement with me today. Uh, the New York Sun, a basic, basically pro-Trump website, uh, my uh, old friend and colleague Michael Goodwin at the New York Post. Like this is not this is something new, something different, something different happened, and I, I just want to try to sort through what whether what happened was something that got out of Trump's control that as he decided he was going to play this he had said from 2016 onward that he would not necessarily had he lost in 2016 or in 2020 that he would not necessarily accept the results of an election that he lost because the election would be rigged if he lost it. He said that in 2016, but he won. So we didn't have to deal with the consequences of it then. And he said it in 2020. He said, I'll leave you in suspense in 2016. You remember? So he has been signaling for four years that an election that he loses is an election he will not accept the results of. Now, Stacey Abrams, as far as I can tell, has not accepted the results of the 2018 gubernatorial election, but she didn't direct her followers to storm the Georgia Capitol, right? I mean, she didn't accept it, so she didn't accept it. Fine. You know, and she, in fact, then turned around and created a a political operation that uh, ended up having great political success on Tuesday night. Uh, people cannot accept the results of the election by saying, I'm not conceding. You know, I don't think that this was fair, but life goes on. That's obviously not what happened here. Two months, two months of agitation. And there was there were two there were two separate tracks of the agitation. One was he's gonna pursue legal remedies. Right? So there were 61, 62 
court cases of various kinds all over the country in federal courts and state courts, all this, in which he won one <laughs> he won one case and lost 61. So that's, of course, let's let the process work. There's a process. He has a right. He has a right to uh, seek legal remedies, right? Well, a lot of the rest of us were saying, this is terrible. He's got to stop. He's got to stop. Like, this isn't helpful. This is harmful to our democracy, right? But when you say things like it's harmful to our democracy, you're saying something very vague. You're saying something, it's like, it's not good. You know, this is not good for us. It, 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 it corrodes our respect for each other, whatever. But it doesn't seem to have any, you needed, uh, you needed a, uh, an act of serious, like thoroughgoing forward thinking imagination to know that where this was going to end up was with a mob storming the Capitol. Though in retrospect, it was, the obvious thing that would happen if you pushed, started pushing this boulder down the hill. If unstable people gathered by social media told that our democracy has been stolen and that the country is finished, uh, and there is a last-ditch moment at which the electors are either accepted or rejected, with Mike Pence in the chair, in the, in the House chamber, presiding over this process, which is largely ceremonial, what else was going to happen unless Trump told everybody to stand down? Not only did he tell them to stand down, he gave a speech. He said he basically said, "Mike Pence, I don't, I don't know if Mike Pence is going to do the thing I want him to do." And as he was speaking, Pence released this statement saying he was going to follow the law and do what he had to do. I'm sure that people in the crowd had alerts on their phones saying Pence had while he was speaking, saying Pence had basically closed this door forever. What well, we don't want to get away from the impeachment stuff just yet, but I also don't, and just as a brief digression, I don't know if this would have occurred. It's possible that I, these people are deluded, but I don't know if this would have occurred in the absence of complicity from some overly clever members of Congress who thought that they could capture some of this magic and, and make it their own and, and lent fuel to this fire by giving them the, the deluded a, a belief that you could overturn this election. They, 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 made, they, they made that part of their pitch and appeal. And I think that probably added fuel to the fire that there was something that they could do to, to reverse this sort of situation. But there totally. is, and by the way, not just some, I'm sorry. We, I mean, this is the true horror of this is that even after what happened yesterday, 65% of the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives objected to the results in Pennsylvania. 65%, okay? Uh, 57% of the House Republican caucus voted to reject Arizona's electors. Now, let's do, now Pennsylvania, if any of this, if there's any validity to any psychotic idea that any of this is fair there was there is at least an ambiguity in the law about the way pennsylvania changed its electoral rules that was reflected even in things that samuel alito said in dealing with one of the court cases it's a complicated case there is no case in arizona even you know, there is no case in Arizona except that the Arizona GOP is now run by a bunch of psychotic, deluded, schizophrenic, evil people who are calling on people to die 
Guess what happened yesterday? Somebody died for the Arizona GOP. And Paul Gosar, the dentist congressman who was the first person to stand up to object um, and started this ball rolling yesterday in the House, a repellent oleaginous creep who should be, you know, who should be buried six feet under politically, though he probably won't be. Right? I mean, well, I want to make a brief point for ahead. people who might be still listening to this. And think that 30 Republicans. We're talking about teaching and removing the president with 14 days left, right? What's the point? Um, and if you're not convinced that just by virtue of the fact that he's, he led invasion of the Capitol um, and, and represents everything that Alexander Hamilton feared and wrote would be the greatest threat to the Republic. Um, if you're not convinced by any of that, what occurred yesterday with regard to deployments to the Capitol, it took an ab- absurdly long time for overwhelming force to be deployed to the Capitol amid an ongoing insurrection. And we don't know why. We don't know what happened with, with the deployment of the National Guard. And reports suggest that we haven't gotten a thorough investigation of this, but the reports suggest that somehow Mike Pence was in charge of ordering these deployments, that the president was approached and was reluctant to uh, accede to the demands of Washington, D.C.'s government, and that Mike Pence was was the commander of this situation. The bizarre, we don't really know what happened here, so it's hard to reach conclusions, but the conclusion that we can draw because we don't know what happened here is that the chain of command is broken, is that we don't know if the commander-in-chief of the armed forces can execute that role. And that's an exogenous or an existential crisis. An exogenous foreign foreign crisis can arise at a moment's notice. And if the president of the United States does not have the confidence of his own administration and cannot execute the duties of the commander in chief of the armed forces, he can no longer serve in the role that he has been elected to. I don't know a greater abdication of his constitutional duty, his oath of office, than to allow the government to be sacked by Visigoths. Okay, and, and he allowed that to happen. Whether or not it was intentional or not, we don't know. But that's what happened. And if he cannot ex- execute his charge as commander of the armed forces, he must be removed immediately, and okay. someone else should. Okay, we have to we have to tease out two different strains here. Abe, help help me tease this out. So Noah's saying, on the one hand, no one seems to be in charge, and somebody ordered the national guard out, and it apparently wasn't the president. We don't know how that's possible, right? That we don't know. So that's an issue of whether or not there is anyone holding the tiller. The other thing that Noah says, which is almost opposite, is that the decision not to send out the National Guard was deliberate, that he wanted, he liked, and there is this reporting in the Washington Post saying that he was enjoying watching what he was seeing from his people uh, and that he's turned into a monster. Well, I mean, I, I don't believe a word that comes out of the mouths of the people who work for this guy after four years. I mean, I don't know who they are. I don't trust a word they say. I don't know who's making people might be making shit up. I have no idea. So they now want to be making exculpatory shit up for themselves. He could be doing it. He could be doing it. We can't trust a word of any of this. But one way or the other, either he's not there and he's gone off into rolled into a into a you know a fetal position because it's all got away from him or he's like go 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 <laughs> you know let it all burn 
uh, one suggests the 25th Amendment and the other suggests the 25th Amendment in a different way or or impeachment and removal. Right. Either way, he's not executing his duties as charged. I mean, that's it's 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 a it's a huge crisis uh, either way. I mean, I think you teased it out. I don't know what else to add to it. Well, here's what I mean. So uh, so there are different circumstances. The 25th Amendment, uh, which was passed in 1967, is about incapacitation. It is not about a policy difference. Mm-hmm. In other words, if he's the president and he wants – he doesn't want to call out the National Guard because he's happy that people sacked the Capitol, I'm not sure that that actually – the 25th Amendment is called for in that case. The 25th Amendment is about – the president being unable to perform his duties. The only way that that would be the case is if his decision not to protect the Capitol uh, was the result of a mental illness, an actual mental disease that he, you know, and so therefore he could be deemed incapacitated even though he made a decision not to act, right? So that's the 25th Amendment. In my view, and this is why it's probably silly even to keep talking about this, uh, and I'm sorry to monologize here, but I mean, it's sorry because clearly it's not going to happen. But uh, the Congress of the United States has an obligation to itself to impeach and remove Trump from office. He encouraged an assault on the other branch of government, on the branch of government that he does not control. They need to protect and make a statement for the future about what they will do if a president ever acts this way again. Well, and that's why I think it's that's a that's actually in terms of long term health of our institutions, the better path forward than invoking the 25th Amendment. If you invoke the 25th Amendment, even if you successfully remove him, then he's got his narrative set for the next, you know, for, for the foreseeable future, which is that, you know, they falsely accuse me of being crazy. I'm not crazy. We're not crazy. He'll say to his followers, they just don't. I mean, it, it actually could exacerbate the tensions that an impeachment would very clearly be a statement that, you know, you have not performed your role and you have actively threatened another branch of government. That is not allowed. That is insurrection. And he led an insurrection. I don't think any of us, no one should pretend otherwise, um, because it's not just a matter of him when he sees things getting out of control saying, whoa, guys, calm down. We love you, but go home. No, he stood there right near the Capitol and said, go basically go get him. And, you know, you've been they they he is responsible for that. And he is responsible for the death of the woman who was an Air Force veteran um, for encouraging people to attack Congress. That is I'm, I'm stuttering because it's actually the more I think it's surreal in some sense. And I will say as to the National Guard issue, having a friend in federal law enforcement who pulled a 14 hour shift yesterday at the Capitol, they knew very early on that they were out manned and out, you know, numbered. Um, and there's video circulating of, oh, look, the Capitol Police, all these guys just let these people, you know, waltz in. They were encouraging them, taking selfies with them. That is bullshit. Pardon my French. They, you know, they they behaved as well as they could. They they were calling for reinforcements from local other local law enforcement, including in Virginia and Maryland early on. Um, this was a situation where the National Guard should have been mobilized much earlier. There should have been many more people in law enforcement protecting the Capitol. Whoever is in charge of the strategy for security for our nation's capital should be fired and replaced with someone who takes it a lot more seriously. There was a, there were so many cascading mistakes made yesterday, but our law enforcement officials who were there did the best they could under extremely uh, difficult circumstances. This is such an important point, and I, this this has been climbing up the back of my skin since yesterday afternoon. I'm not sure how many people were there, five, 600, something like that. So let's say there were 50, 75 cops 
Capitol policemen who were in, you know, sort of at the point of being able to do something. Had they engaged with this mob, there is no telling what would have happened. There, it's not the, you know, this is, it, it's not the, it's not the rule that cops faced with a belligerent crew of people are supposed to take out their guns and start shooting them. There is some weird thing going on where it's like, well, if they were all black, <clears throat> everybody would have been shot. Well, no, that's actually not true because it's the same set of circumstances. What you do when you are in a position where you fear that there is going to be rioting is a show of force in huge numbers. <clears throat> you have hundreds of riot police standing there in riot gear creating cordons, blocking entry, creating perimeters that... Which, by the way, I'm going to interrupt to say that is exactly what our law enforcement in my city has been doing since the spring. We have been doing... Because we've had constant protests, many of them violent and destructive, and they have been doing exactly that off and on for months. We saw it it in late May at the White House. Don't forget the the protesters... um, went after the White House. And they, in fact, breached security gates there, but there were uh, uh, law enforcement in riot gear pushing back. Right, there were law enforcement, and, of course, the, the, the president has a Praetorian Guard. We have an agency of the federal government whose primary purpose is to protect the president from being killed. That is the, that is the mission statement of the U.S. Secret Service. Uh, the Capitol Police are a kind of, you know, uh, they're they're police, but, uh, you know, they've never faced this before, and clearly not having faced this before, they were outnumbered, they were outmanned, and, and possibly outgunned, I'm not sure, and they did what you were supposed to do in those circumstances, which is, I'm sorry, there are more of you than there are of us, uh, you know, we'll do what we can, but there's not much that we can do. And this notion that those people on the line were someone penetrated the Capitol Police Department, said Steve Schmidt. Clearly, there's some kind of they're being friendly. You know, it's like, are you? Did you see the looks on the faces of those people? I mean, it, it, it literally was as though, uh, you know, Bellevue's doors were opened, which is another thing to talk about. Trump and his, you know, wonderful followers whom he loves and wants to go home. I mean, this crew of people like. These were not sane people. They were barbaric goons with glints of madness in their eyes, some wearing T-shirts that said six million is too few or is not enough. Proud boys wearing shirts saying that more Jews should be killed than after the Holocaust. A guy in a Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt. Um. You know, I, I mean, all over the place. And how about the fact that, you know, they're walking around saying, this is the people that you don't have the right. I own this house. I mean, I saw a guy in Fox screaming at uh, screaming at the uh, correspondent saying, whose house is that? That's my house. Oh, really? Okay. So then we saw the footage put up by Ali Zaslav of CNN of the Senate parliamentarian's office trashed, papers strewn all over the place, stuff overturned. The Senate parliamentarian's office. That doesn't belong to some guy with a seven-foot beard dressed up like Braveheart who needs to be put into a straitjacket. He doesn't own that. 
the people's house doesn't mean that any that any individual person has the right to trash you know public property this is madness and the notion that the people who are standing around making sure that somebody doesn't make a break for the for the you know senate chamber to try to you know strangle ted cruz the vice president of the united states they sought to kill the vice president of the United yeah, he, States. We forget to mention under the that. perception that that's what the president wanted, and he had to be rushed out of the Capitol by Secret Service to protect him. Along with, I think, who else did they take? Harry Reid. They took someone else. Uh, sorry, not Harry Reid. Um, they they literally had to secure our our uh, chain of command in the Capitol because they feared for their lives. And that's what they wanted, according to the uh, communications that we've seen that they exchanged on Parler or Gab or wherever they wherever the white nationalists talk to each other. Right. So, I mean, I, so I think there there has been a slander affected against the people who were on the line yesterday, uh, trying to do what they could about this uh, unprecedented assault uh, on a, uh, you know, on the people's house. <laughs> this is not, you know, uh, uh, and yeah, maybe Christine, maybe you're right. I mean, there will be obviously there will be some very serious investigation of training protocols and all of that. It should not be that easy to get into the Capitol. It really, right. after post 9-11, and, it really shouldn't and, be. <laughs> and I mean, I want to, I want to point out one other thing, because we'll get to some of the whataboutism in a little bit, but um, there is a line that, oh, look, uh, you know, people who are doing all this, oh, really? You think that this was bad? Well, what about what liberals do that, uh, you know, the, the, the rotunda was occupied by people demonstrating against Brett Kavanaugh's during Brett Kavanaugh's hearing, right? And there's footage, and there's signs and everything like that. Every one of those people who was in the rotunda was, I'm pretty sure, invited in by House Democratic staffers or Senate Democratic staffers. They had not been come up to the door and had the door locked against them and then smashed windows in order to climb through. They were in there and then they wouldn't leave or they started unfurling banners or something like that. The notion that you can compare one to the other is, you know, beyond appalling. And as I recall, a lot of people were, you know, shocked on the right and horrified by the fact that, uh, uh, then Senator Jeff Flake was kind of trapped in an elevator by two demonstrators who yelled at him and you know wouldn't let him out of the elevator. And those same people who were horrified at Jeff Flake's being entrapped are somehow trying to make excuses for what happened yesterday, while saying, "Of course, I'm not making excuses for violence." But so we should we should talk uh, a little about that. But let's um, so basically. Uh, the 25th Amendment. So in the absence of uh, the absence of a of an impeachment and removal, uh, which, you know, I suppose if it doesn't happen by, you know, process doesn't happen by noon today, it really probably won't happen. Um, there is this 25th Amendment question. Uh, Christine, let me ask you this. Uh, so in the absence of a 25th Amendment execution, which is either Pence does it or a majority of the cabinet does it, and the whole point of it is it's temporary, uh, the 25th Amendment invocation. Uh, there, if you, could, you can read, the whole process is very elaborate in the, in the, uh, in the Constitution. Um, uh, 
In the absence of that, all these officials are now resigning. Former uh, White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, who was the envoy of Northern Ireland, uh, resigned this morning. The White House Social Secretary, we hear a lot of people are considering resigning. The National Security uh, Council head, and whose name is O'Brien, and various other people. Um, so uh, I'm not sure that that isn't actually worse than than not resigning. Okay, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Like, he, Trump is no different from what he was. Now you want to wash your hands of it? All you need to do is sit there for another week and a half and, you know, sign the papers you have to sign and be at the end, other end of the phone when somebody calls from, you know, Bratislava. Yeah, well, the, so it's interesting to me because comparing the, the, these acts of performative conscience, you know, uh, declarations are, are ring very untrue to me in the same way that, and I told you guys when I received it, I was walking back from something yesterday afternoon and, and just as everything was going, you know, uh, sideways at the Capitol. And I had gotten a spam text message from Ted Cruz's fundraising operation saying, stand with Ted Cruz as I, you know, denounce this election fraud, which was, you know, I, I was sort of, I had not yet checked into the news. I had been kind of off offline for an hour and a half and hadn't seen anything. And it became that act of like weird political performance. Uh, I have the same feeling about that, which is utter contempt that I do for the for the Trump officials who are only resigning now, because if they really felt that conviction, they should have resigned the minute he started his uh, contesting the election results, claiming it was a fraud, all of that. It, that should have been the moment they resigned. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I, I think it's all about, uh, it's performative and it's, it's contemptible, honestly. I mean, look, I, I, I do not think, I think this constant thing where people say, you need to resign right now. I mean, okay, so people have mortgages, they live check to paycheck to paycheck, they have kids, they have what, you know, maybe they can't do it. Maybe it's not possible for them to do it. And I, I, you know, I don't, I think that in the absence of knowing that one shouldn't be in the position of insisting that anybody who stays is, you know, is irreparably damaged by the, by the horror. But at the same moment, uh, you don't get to say, well, this is the last straw. You know, Mick Mulvaney apparently said Trump is not the same guy he was eight months ago. I don't believe that. Does anybody really think that Trump is different? Does anybody think that Trump wouldn't have tried to pull something like this in 2016? Yesterday was yesterday was the logical conclusion of Trump and anyone who's and that's why. And actually, it does. It does lead me to something that we were all talking about privately uh, throughout the night yesterday. Does that what does that mean for those of us who have tried to sort of say, well, I liked this about the Trump administration. I liked when he did this. And there are still those things that we could all mention. Um, does should that change our view of those? I mean, is this now is this for those of us who've tried to not be completely deranged about Trump, but try to sort of see this as a bigger picture? What does that mean for us? Because I'm I'm I ask that honestly, with no answer in mind. But it disturbs me now. <laughs> I mean, in the world of uh, regular listeners of this podcast might be surprised to learn that in the world of effete opinion and journalistic opinion and academic opinion, all of us to a man here are dyed in the wool Trump supporters. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because they're right. They're like, 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 all it's like, this is on you. This is on you. This is anything right. resembling rationality. But I, I have an answer to that, which is that the whole point uh, th- that is to accept what, what you just said is to accept the Trumpian view of politics 
and the presidency, right. which is right. that it's all about him and it's all personal and you like him or you don't like him. The whole point about policy is that policy exists independently from the policymaker. It is a thing in itself and you that becomes an it engine its own. Yes. That, that, yeah. that is an engine that would go of itself. So the Abraham Accords are now an engine that would go of themselves. They are the, they are the, you know, the, the greatest diplomatic triumph of the United States over in the last um, two decades. Um, uh, that doesn't mean I don't think he should be impeached and removed right now because they, they are a policy that would not have happened without him, but the policy exists independently of him. As, that's, that's the yeah. new, that used to be how pol- everyone understood politics to be done, including the elite members of the media and the people who made the policy. And that is my fear going forward, is that even saying that, John, is a radical statement, given how the shift in our politics and we and the other concern I think people have is, is this going to be every four years? I mean, is is this what happens every four years? And it really doesn't matter if you have a D or an R next to your name because we have plenty. It can be true at the same time that what happened yesterday was absolutely dastardly. And the the political violence, and don't for a minute think that Black Lives Matter isn't engaged in acts of political violence, those were also terrible. Like, it's not the same thing, but it is... It, it shows an, a, a recourse to violence when we used to have other ways of doing things in this country. I, I just want to say on this point about you know how how we should think about um, those times that we've praised policies enacted by the Trump administration. Now, um, it is not as if when we praised such things, we stopped pointing out um, regularly all the genuinely dangerous things about Trump. We, we, uh, we, we always did both um, side by side, um, uh, as you had to. Um, it, we, we weren't, so in, as John says, we didn't adopt the sort of Trumpian version of politics then or now. You know, it wasn't like, well, he did these things, therefore we, we, we love him. Right. Well, this is also, I think, an important point about uh, talking about the November election. Uh, and people who made the decision to vote for Trump in the November election, and this notion that will now be retailed that anybody who voted for Trump was somehow complicit in what happened yesterday. Now, Trump believes this, and the Trump apologists believe this, because they say things like, you know, if you don't understand the pain of the defeat and what was going on afterwards, you are disrespecting the views of the 74 million Americans who voted for Trump. The 74 million Americans who voted for Trump did not sign on to the two months of saying that he lost. People vote in elections all the time and their candidates win or their candidates lose. And however they feel, some of them get very disappointed and they're depressed for a day. Or it's like, ah, well, he lost. Okay, fine. You know, it's like, you know, I, you know, that that's that that's life. The notion that every single one of them is somehow uh, signed on was at the Stop the Steal rally. And th- this is another point I want to ask you guys about in relation to what Trump said in that statement and in those tweets when he said, we love you, but you need to stand down and go home. Does does he think that all those people represented the 70, that everybody storming the Capitol building was the, you know, was the deepest wish and soul of the, of everybody who voted for him? Or, or does what he likes are people who are willing to go to the mattress. What he likes is, you know, Luca Brazzi. Like he, he, what he wants is everybody uh, 
who supports him to go beat up people who don't. It doesn't matter, though. It does matter. It's immaterial to the to the moment. The moment right now is that you have a, a conservative party, a Republican party that is besotted with conspiracy theories. Even today, they are telling they are telling their people that yes, the election was stolen, and the people who sacked this Capitol were Antifa. All evidence to the contrary, notwithstanding, even the president himself said these were his people. He, this is what he wanted them to do. He loves them. This is what he said, and yet you have people in Congress representing this movement who say that, the, you know, this never happened, who are creating alternative realities for half of America because they think America can be duped or they think that this is what they want or they think that they can mobilize them into some sort of a political force, even an extra legal force. This is a crisis that demands every single one of us get on the record as to whether, and it doesn't matter what you voted in November, that's over. That's done. This is the time for choosing. Okay, but- This is the time to make your allegiances known. And any countenancing of this sort of behavior by members of Congress or Republicans or people who, who supported this president in good faith, who now want to give themselves a permission structure to say, well, maybe this wasn't as bad as we thought it was, is guilty of a crime against the Republic. Okay. I, I just want to cite an interesting uh, piece of data uh, that is going to speak to what goes on in these precincts over the next couple of years. Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, went on Fox this morning and said this, in relation to the fundraising email that Christine was talking about, quote, you have some senators who for political advantage were giving false hope to their supporters. These senators, as insurrectionists literally stormed the Capitol, were sending out fundraising emails. So Tom Cotton just sent a direct missile at Ted Cruz's head. That without is naming very him. interesting. He didn't have to name it. Yeah, good. He yeah, I mean, he, I, 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 he didn't have to name it. Everybody knows that it's Hawley and Cruz. And by the way, let's talk about Hawley for two seconds. What a loathsome coward! He starts this process. He writes the letter that starts this process that gives the false hope. And then he gets up when the Senate, re, you know, when, when, when they reconvene last night and says, we have to do this. Millions of people feel that something bad happened. Uh, so uh, I'm going to object, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm well, going to object to Pennsylvania, but I'm not going to say anything. Why? Because he does, because he got himself went way out on a plank and the plank was sewed out from under him and he was desperately like you know wily e. coyote trying to run back in midair to grab onto the ship so that somehow he could deny his uh you know role in the conspiracy that happened yesterday I want to recount this because if you didn't watch this last night when the house reconvened at eight o'clock um or the Senate reconvened they were debating this objection to Arizona and they resumed speeches. Uh, and the first speech, which was interrupted initially, was by James Lankford, who was one of Cruz's 11 objectors. And he uh, was very chastened and said, listen, I was going to object, but the events have forced me to abandon that. And Kelly Loeffler proceeded, who was also one of the objectors. And she said, you know, I can't do this anymore. Good for them. James Hawley, who was one of the, obviously, or uh, uh, Josh Hawley, I'm sorry, was one of the original uh, objectors, very chastened, had the fear of God in his eyes, the first time I've ever heard him stutter. And rather than say what you said, John, he issued that in a statement. He said, I'm going to object 
to Pennsylvania, but I'll yield my time in a statement. What he said when he gave his little two minute speech was a very long description of the building he was in. This is the Congress. This isn't a car wash. This isn't a movie theater. This is a building where we talk and debate laws in a country of laws where violence is not acceptable in the Congress, in the building, in the United States. I yield back my time. Um, by the way, it should say, be said that violence isn't acceptable in any building in America <laughs> at any time. Oh, true. A trespass is not accept is not is illegal anywhere. Uh, destruction of property is illegal anywhere. Brandishing a gun is illegal anywhere. We have people leaving the Capitol when they were allowed to leave the Capitol, saying things to policemen like, "When we come back, six hundred yards aren't going to be far enough from you." People threatening the lives. And we'll see you at six hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, we'll see you at six hundred yards. Threatening the lives of law enforcement officials. By the way, no, not masked, not not their faces not hidden from view. The FBI put out a bulletin this morning saying that they are collecting data on everybody who was in there based on face matches and any any advice that anybody wants to give. I pray that there are mass arrests uh, in the next week, week and a half. I assume there are going to be. There, no, no one is going to object to it. Uh, I mean, maybe they'll all, you know, try to go on on the lamb or something. But, um, and you know, for once, for once, I have sympathy for a union statement that was released last night, which is that the um, there's apparently a union of I don't know what you call them, uh, you know, uh, flight attendants, and the flight attendants issued a statement saying we don't want anybody who was at this rally on our flight home from D.C. Because who knows the who knows who these people are, like who knows what they'll do on the plane, and I, I'm sorry, like I, I know there were tens of thousands of people at the rally, but I, I, I don't care. Like I I wouldn't want to get on I wouldn't want to get on a plane last night or this morning at Reagan National, uh, somewhere. Um, if you know some guy with a beard down to his knees got on the plane, like would I be racially profiling them as? <laughs> As a member of the Proud Boys, you you bet I would. I think it's it's briefly important to write, and I don't want to do this for the sake of our own egos. Um, but nevertheless, it is important to note that these senators want to pretend as though this violence happened in a vacuum, and they want to you know they're condemning the violence without without addressing or even thinking about the conditions that led to it and that they contributed to, and that there is a obviously when the dust settles in this sort of thing, the first thing that people want to do is assign blame. And they're looking to the right and saying, where were you? Where were you? When, when, when did you, you know, when this was going to happen, we knew it was going to happen. Why didn't you say anything up until this point? You're complicit, or at least tacitly complicit. And I think all of us have been talking about this violent phenomenon of which Trump was the progenitor that he created from scratch, that he invited when he, did, when he invited people to hit, hit his opponents in the face up to up to, from 2015 to when he rallied his own counter mob over the summer to attack his other a mob that was against him. Um, we've all talked about this for years. I wrote a book about it. I mean, it's not as though that we haven't been aware of this phenomenon and sought to at least educate people about who his progenitors were. But it's not Donald Trump alone. It's never been Donald Trump alone. And there's a lot of cretins who will say. Oh, you're, you're making a false moral equivalency. Well, if you don't make a moral equivalency 
about people who are the executors of street violence, you're tacitly complicit. You're the blind one. Right. It's more of an and, argument. And this problem is getting worse on both sides. And next year, it's yeah. not going to be the Trump phenomenon because Trump will be gone, but the violence will persist. Right. It's the water we've been swimming in for quite a while. And we've all been talking about it and we've talked about it. We've had to talk about it for the last several months, but in the last several, you know, for the last month and a half about Trump. But for many, many months, almost a year before that, it's been about left wing street violence. And, and, it, and it's the habits of mind and the expectations that this sort of violence is a regular occurrence, that violence is the only answer. They boarded up my city before the election, not because they were worried about the guys who stormed the Capitol yesterday, but because they were worried Trump would win and his opponents would become destructive. So that's not both sidesism. That's simply... We Trump are- invited the conditions for violence in 2015, and it was responded to with violence from the left. And that leftist violence was excused, yes. uh, not tacitly, not sort of passively, actively excused. When we saw the, the genesis of Antifa, it was equated by politicians and media professionals to the to the people who stormed Nor- the beaches in Normandy. Mostly peaceful. Uh, they, yeah, they lent, <laughs> not they lent to the legitimacy of this movement actively. But here's the thing. And they're responsible. And it's, but it's not just the, the political violence that is the mirror image um, of the left's political violence. Um, the seeds of this kind of destructive behavior, ruinous behavior, the seed is the conspiracy theory because... Once you believe that everything is rigged, everything is ruined and everything is rotten and you cannot do anything within the system, the system itself is unworthy of being sustained. And when you destroy it, you are not destroying anything of value. This is exactly what the left was up to over the summer. And it is precisely what the mob was up to yesterday. The election was fraudulent, according to the conspiracy theory. So therefore, what, what, what we are tearing down is nothing but a fraudulent system. And once you believe things like that, you are capable, especially in large groups, of doing untold, unlimited damage. Look, um, the, the seeds of the whole question about the political alteration of the Republican Party over the last five years goes to, was Trump speaking about things that people refused to speak about or confronting realities that other Republicans refused to confront? Or, and maybe there is no or, right? Maybe it's it's not either or. Uh, was he personifying... Um, a uh, a rage and a, a, a an anger uh, in the uh, certain part of the body politic, and um, and and personifying it and representing it, and therefore uh, receiving support from uh, untold numbers of people um, uh, because of it. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's both. Uh, it probably is both. Um, but this is when we say things like Trump is not the cause of change. He is the, he is the example of the change in, in, in American political life. Uh, he didn't create it. He is the result of 20, 30, 40 years of all sorts of stuff going on. But the same was true. This is where the equivalency comes with the left, which is, um, 
the the conditionality of their support for American institutions is the key to leading us to understand where this goes. So if you if you don't respect American institutions in a weird way, institutions in general say there's a result. There's an election and the election comes down and according to the rules of the election and according to tr- tradition, history, and precedent, Trump lost and Biden won, right? And then you say, well, the institutions are, are rotten and corrupt. Like they changed the rules of midstream and they did this and there was all this fraud and all this. And so I don't, I, I, I don't respect institutional tradition. I don't respect our traditions. Our traditions are unfair, and therefore I won't follow them uh, anymore. Similarly, you have a process in Ferguson, Missouri. You know, a cop shoots a guy. Rumors spread that the you know this was this was unjust and unfair. People go in the streets. There are riots there. There are riots everywhere. Stores are burned down and all of this. And then people say, well, you know, there's this problem called police. People have a reason not to to think that cops are bad. And therefore, it's kind of okay to burn down a, a dollar a, a dollar store. It's okay to trash a Wendy's uh, because the institutions, because that's, you know, how else are you going to express your feelings? Trump himself, Trump himself said, uh, I'm trying to find this. Supposedly, again, I, I mean, I, I should know better because I did say that, uh, you know, you can't trust inside accounts anymore. But according to this uh, story in the Washington Post, a, an administration official who must have been in the Oval Office said he kept saying, quote, the vast majority of them are peaceful. What about the riots this summer? What about the other side? No one cared when they were rioting. My people are peaceful. My people aren't thugs. Okay, the vast majority of them are peaceful, said Trump. Where did we hear the vast majority of them are peaceful before? He's saying that people nobody cared about the uh, you know the violence the the violence after uh, the George Floyd killing. Uh, what was the rhetoric that was used that he is echoing? Not only that, he's at the right from the from the post uh, uh, George Floyd uh, violence, but not only that, this claim. Now that you hear among uh, the apologists for what happened yesterday, that <clears throat> the Trumpian mob was infiltrated by Antifa and whomever else on the left, that also is the exact same claim that uh, the left was making over the summer. Whenever uh, some some god awful violence happened, they said, "No, no, no, no. We know it was it was it was white nationalists who did yeah. it. It was right wingers who 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 perpetrated this violence, pretending to 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 be us." Um, it is it is it is the mirror image. There are definitely equivalencies that are that can be drawn between one organic mob and the other. Uh, the mob is the mob. Um, but what was different about yesterday was that this, obviously, besides the fact that the president himself made this, created this insurrection and sicked it on the government, which is an unforgivable sin. Um, but this was a planned insurrection. Um, Washington, D.C. police found two active pipe bombs, a cooler with Molotov cocktails. The RNC and the DNC were targeted um, with active expl- improvised explosive devices. This was a planned attack on the United States government. And it is incumbent on the Justice Department to round up these cells in whatever way possible. I have zero faith that this current 
what, whatever exists of the attenuated Trump administration's Justice Department will do that job. But the but Joe Biden's Justice Department damn well better. And, uh, you know, we heard a lot of this over the course of the Trump administration, that they were deprioritizing investigations into white nationalism and white nationalist cells. And I think these are the flowering of that blindness. And By it's the way, domestic terrorism. I mean, I don't think we should pretend like it's, yeah. it, this is not protest. This is domestic terrorism in the same way that, I mean, Antifa has also got a, got an extremist uh, group of people who practice domestic terrorism as well. But this, the, we do know just the sheer number of con, uh, white supremacist organizations that have violent uh, intentions is really high in this country. And I totally agree with you. No, it should be a priority of the justice department. Okay. So I'm looking at a, at a shirt. I'm looking at a, a picture of a protester with a Trump hat, uh, a, a bandana over his face, you know, mass bandana. And the shirt says MAGA. There's a red bar that says MAGA, like uh, between, you know, sort of a, a, over the breastplate. And then Civil War, which looks like the um, Avengers Civil War logo. Uh, from the Captain America Civil War movie. And then under it, January 6, 2021. This was a printed, designed shirt. Like it's a Pearl Jam tour. Like it's a Pearl Jam tour. So that is, and the shirt says Civil War. And it was, wasn't was printed yesterday between the time that Trump said, hey, let's march to the Capitol. And they all marched to the Capitol. Like he had to, this guy had to make it through, you know, whatever that t-shirt thing is that you make bar mitzvah t-shirts from and order it and have it sent home and then try it on and make sure it fit and all of that. Right. So, uh, that's what we're talking about here. This, this, there was malice aforethought here. That's what the bombs mean. That's what all, but I mean, these people, there were hundreds of people who came in, not the tens of thousands of people at the rally or whatever. There were hundreds of people who came in with the intention of doing what happened. And why? Because beginning on beginning on November 4th, Trump said this country is being stolen from you. And you know, it's like a you know, a release the Kraken. I mean, when Sidney Powell said she was releasing the Kraken, that was supposed to be a lawsuit. Or maybe this is the Kraken. Anybody got any, we have any other like thoughts of rage and anger we can get out before we, uh, before we bring this to a blessed close? Nope. No. Okay. Well, well I, I will say one thing, which yeah. is, uh, and I was talking to know about this before we started taping. I, uh, DC remains under a state of emergency that was extended, uh, till the day, uh, I think the 21st, so the day after inauguration by our mayor, our incompetent, horrible, cravenly courting, you know, the left wing all summer awful mayor. Um, I don't know if we'll continue to have a curfew or what the, what the, what the sort of feeling of the city is going to be going forward. Um, but I don't, to assume that yesterday was a one-off, I think would be naive at this point because the organize, the organizing online, the social media conspiracy theorizing continues. Um, there is, there has been no long-term strategic response um, there was an immediate, like, just let's put up this small fire, but it's still burning. So uh, we shouldn't be overconfident that this will shock enough people that it won't happen again. So I hope it doesn't, for, both for the safety of my own friends and family and city, but uh, it, we have to continue to be vigilant about this. And hopefully we'll have law enforcement will be uh, approaching this in a somewhat more serious manner going forward. Now, to put a period on it and go back to the beginning of this um conversation there's a, there's some 
perception out there that maybe will be delivered from this on January 20th when Donald Trump is out of office. We will not be. Um, This will continue. There will be an insurrectionary movement. Donald Trump will be its titular uh, head, nominal head. Uh, he, it's a role he seems to want to play. And there are uh, plenty of people who will be in performing active insurrectionary efforts against state and federal government institutions across the country. It's going to happen. It's being organized right now, according to law enforcement. And um, it is incumbent upon Republicans and only Republicans to make this as anathema as possible. And that begins with anathematizing the president. He's no longer the president of the United States. He is in in function and form, not the president. He is only in title. And it's incumbent on you right now to anathematize this president, to render him uh, something that is uh, so abhorrent to the American political soul uh, that this sort of thing no longer becomes something that that you can think that you can get away with in public. These people think that they're doing something that um, people in power will approve of. And they need to be disabused of that notion, and it is your job to do it. Well, you know, you wanted crushing morosity, you got it. Yes, we're back. We're back. We're back in the we're back in the bleak times. We made it six days before we had to <laughs> six days That's of the right. day. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well Any thoughts we'll on nineteen seventy one? I want to go back to that. If you didn't listen to our Tuesday podcast, listen to that one and just imagine a world in which what happened yesterday didn't happen. For Abe, Christina, no, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.